Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Oh, Christ. I'm having this horrible nightmare. What, what nightmare is this? I, I'm having this nightmare that we're doing another podcast. Really? Huh. Yeah. Oh, shit. What? I pressed the record button. We really are doing one more podcast, aren't we? No. Oh, Welcome to, I don't even know what episode this would technically be, but this is the one time only reunion episode of the Wrestling Outsiders podcast. It is Sunday, November 20th, as we're recording this, uh, Monday, November 21st, as most people most people are probably listening to it. Yeah. Welcome back. Welcome back. Good God Almighty. Back. Welcome back. Welcome back. So, since we last talked to everybody back in June... Um, it's been that long. Yeah, it, it, it seems like it's, you know... It hasn't been that long, but it's been five months. It's been a while since I've Um, I want to say that Lauren is, you know, sitting in a round room in a padded cell because of the election from two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's still waiting to wake up. I'm sure. And in case you forget... I'm Arya, that's Brian, and we lasted two years before self-canceling ourselves, and here we are one more time, I guess. We never really did a, a going-away show. That was your fault. You managed to move to a place with the worst cell phone reception in the history of man. This is true, but since we've last left you guys, I have a new cell phone with a whole new service. So I'm currently sitting in my nice warm apartment, laying on my nice new couch, discussing on watching WWE stories. I am perfectly content and happy right now. Well, we're here not to discuss WWE, uh, what is it called, WWE Story Time? Something like that, yeah. yeah. We're here to discuss Survivor Series. Holy fuck. Pull out the booze because Fantasy Warfare just got real. Yeah. Um, so we got some good news. Yeah. Um, for those of you who remember WrestleMania 20, Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg was much better this go-round. Yeah. Um, the crowd did not turn on it. You mean that because there's like approximately four moves in the entire match? Um, you know, I, have, I was building up to that. See, oh, see some things never change. Oh, Christ. The good news also is that Goldberg didn't fall on his ass at any point. He didn't slip, you know. But, of course, the other news is that the match went a minute 25. 
Um, yes. And do you remember when TNA did that with Jeff Hardy and Sting? It was because yes. it was because Jeff Hardy was so drugged up out of his mind that they couldn't trust him to do anything. Um, this was just how the match was actually booked to go. But, and hey, the other good news, this show did not go six hours. It only went five and a half. It ended at 10.30. My question is, why did they have a special start time at seven when the big only lasted three and a half hours? Did you really want to keep doing this till midnight? No, but, I mean, they could start at 7.30. Did you watch the pre-show matches? I did. Any thoughts on... T.J. Perkins, Noam Dar, and Rich Swan versus Arya Davari, Tony Nice, and Drew Gulak. I mean, if you weren't surprised that T.J. Perkins' team won, you're <laughs> I'll be honest. It took me a minute to realize that this pre-show Cruiserweight six-man tag match was not the same pre-show six-man tag team Cruiserweight match from last month. No, the entire babyface team was actually different because uh, Noam Dar just started two weeks ago and Rich Swan uh, was booked somewhere else. I forget the babyface team, but it was like, I think it was Cedric Alexander, Sin Cara, and somebody else. But the heel team was the same. I think the guy who uh, TJ Perkins beat in the final. No. But anyway, the we had a couple production snafus. Well, actually... One production snafu and a couple announcer botches throughout the show. But uh, the production snafu happened when Renee Young was talking to her producer. And instead of it being, you know, muted out because she wasn't announcing this match, it was broadcast over the air with Renee Young stating that this match was still going to go another nine minutes. And, And shockingly, it went nine minutes longer after she said that. Yes. Uh, Rich Swan, by the way, pinned Davari with a standing 450 splash. Um, and the match, the match itself was good. You know, nothing monumental. You know, a solid match between six people who wrestle each other seemingly all the time. Yeah, they do wrestle each other all the time. What the hell are you watching over there with the headbangers and D'Lo Brown? You had to turn it on now, you know, while we're doing this. It's good background music. It brings back memories. I, I swear to God, like, nothing changed. No, no. Shit has not changed, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, fuck on a fuck. What am I doing with myself? More pick on the Appalachians and the And as we're done reviewing a show from 17 years ago... Kane defeated Luke Harper in the other kickoff match. Dear God, Kane actually won the fucking match. Um, my favorite part was near the finish when Luke Harper hits Abyss's black hole slam and Mauro Ronaldo had was stuttering over his words trying to figure out how to call it. <laughs> um, so Kane pinned him with a choke slam. Then we get on to the pay-per-view, uh, beginning with the women's Survivor Series match. Charlotte, Bailey, Sasha, Alicia, and Nia Jax. Uh, by the way, Alicia Fox, the 10-year WWE veteran, a moment that 
made me laugh when they said it. Um, with Dana Brooke in their corner versus Becky Lynch, Carmella, Naomi, Alexa Bliss, and what was supposed to be Natalia, or sorry, it was supposed to be Nikki Bella, but then Nikki Bella, quote unquote, got attacked backstage, and we have no idea who did it. And conveniently, Natalia was there, and, you know, she was entered into the match replacing Nikki Bella. See, I figured John Cena impregnated her, and thus she can't uh, sports entertain tonight. Little John Cena's running around. Yeah. You know what would actually be hilarious? If John Cena was the biggest heel in the world towards his own kids. Um, by the way, uh, one of the announcers said that everybody in the world watches SmackDown. Uh, I guess that means that there are only about two and a half million people in the world. I know. Um, by the way, I should point out, Dolph Ziggler, two years ago, defeated three members of the Authority and won the Survivor Series elimination match in the main event. Last year, he dropped to being to losing the piss break match to Tyler Breeze, and this year, I hope he didn't even bother to show up in the building. He didn't make an appearance. Nope. Um, so I was gonna say that you know the crowd didn't really react to this match, but the crowd really didn't react to much this whole show. No. Um, every match in this show, every Survivor Series elimination match had the same spot where, at some point, everybody who was left would all square off in the middle of the ring and break down into a giant brawl. The first time it happened here in the women's match, the crowd was buzzing and was excited. The second time it happened in the tag match, the crowd was kind of, you know, kind of excited. And then what happened in the main event, nobody cared. No. Not true. Um... I want to point out, they actually broke down to a nine-woman brawl because Nia Jax walked into the ring and broke it up for some reason. Yeah. Fuck you all. Um, Nia was the monster, and then she tapped out to Becky Lynch near the finish. Um, yeah. Makes no sense to me, but you know what? Yeah. I don't rate WWE. Nope. Um... By the way, Natalia pinned Sasha Banks, and uh, they came down to Bailey and Charlotte versus Becky Lynch. It's Bailey. That's how you It's Bailey. Get it right. Hashtag hug like a champ. Yes. And uh, this was after Charlotte basically just stood on the apron and let Bailey do the entire finish. Uh, they Becky fought and fought for the disarmer, but Becky. Uh, I'm sorry, Bailey maneuvered around, hit the Bailey to belly, and picked up the win, giving Team Raw, Charlotte and Bailey, the win. Um, and afterwards, Charlotte immediately attacked Bailey and threw her into the dashboards um, all over the ringside area. That's quite a sad time. Yep. Your thoughts on this match? It was a woman's match that it was. 
Well, the, pro- the problem was, and this led to me, you know, screwing up any predictions for this thing, is that I figured at the end of the day, Raw would win one of these, one of the two, and SmackDown would win one of the two, and then the last one would be to determine who won two out of three. But the problem with that was I couldn't imagine either the Raw women or the Raw tag teams losing, and at the end of the day, neither of them did. We just got, we then got one of those segments that just kept going and going, and they brought in everybody into it. James Ellsworth was wandering around backstage. Oh, by the way, I should point out, I don't think Brian's watched wrestling in the four months since we've last done this show. Okay, because, you know, when you told me you couldn't believe that the Colons still were uh, on the roster, I'm like, they're on Raw almost every week. They're always at least standing backstage selling timeshares. Uh, anyway. Well, no, actually, normally I work Monday overnight at Dunkin' Donuts. So, normally I'm sleeping during Raw. I, I was half surprised he knew who James Ellsworth was, to be honest. I actually saw him down when uh, I went to a, a C, uh, not CCW, a uh, Tommy Jamers thing. House of Hardcore. Uh, You head nodded with James Ellsworth. I did head nod, yeah. Anyway, so now that we got off on that tangent, James Ellsworth is wandering around backstage. See, again, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Um, when Gallows and Anderson confronted him, uh, dropping all these horrible chin puns, including calling him Chinderella, uh, Mick Foley walked up and told the bullies to knock it off. Uh, so the bullies left, and so Ellsworth marked out over Foley and talked about Foley being thrown off the cage and Foley doing this and Foley getting hurt about that. And finally, met, and I think the whole point of this was to set up the fact that they wanted to mention The Rock was people's sexiest man alive. Yeah. Because they made sure to mention that Mick beat Rock twice for the title. So then Mick, general manager of Raw, tried to set up his brand for a horrible lawsuit by tampering with uh, James Ellsworth's SmackDown contract, offering him to jump over to Raw, you know. Again, of of all the people that the brands are fighting over, they're fighting over James Ellsworth. Um, Anyway, Mick walked away, and Ellsworth ran into Braun Strowman, who referenced their match from a few months ago, which is where, in case you forget, James Ellsworth got his shot. And Brian just left me, so I've got to call him back. I'm going to press pause. Hang on one minute. So, Yeah, yeah. So, what the hell happened? Yeah. It, by the way, we we didn't notice until you know the the ringtone at the end started. Yeah. So it shows you how much you you talk during these shows. 
Um, so anyway, Ellsworth, like I to- said before, ran into Braun Strowman, who referenced their match from a few months ago, which is where Ellsworth got started in WWE. Intercontinental Championship, Miz versus Sami Zayn. I'm just, I had to laugh because I, I pretty much predicted from the start that neither title was changing brands, but everyone was like, oh no, they put the belt on Miz so Sami Zayn could beat the Miz instead of beating Dolph. Like, really? Yeah, no. It would not happen. No, Sami Zayn did not... Did not win the title. In fact, I believe all Canadians lost on this show. Um, and, by the way, Sami Zayn, they worked over Sami Zayn's knee the entire match. And Zayn sold better than Nakamura did on Saturday. Just want to point that out. Uh, Miz continued to mock Daniel Bryan, doing the Daniel Bryan corner kicks. Doing, you know, the, the normal Daniel Bryan kicks. And um, why are they building up to a match that's never going to happen? I'm not really sure. Because they're just keep doing this where, you know, they keep teasing uh, Miz and Daniel Bryan, and they keep putting Daniel Bryan in situations where it looks like he's going to be wrestling, and WWE is not going to let him wrestle. Like, no. It, it's not even funny at this point. Um... This was a good match. It was probably the weakest of, you know, the matches on the show. Um, but uh, the finish saw Zayn put his own figure four on Miz. And when Miz was about to tap, Maurice began ringing the ring bell, um, which distracted everybody. Zayn was an idiot and thought he won. So Miz schoolboyed him to retain the title. Anything else, Brian? Yeah, I, I, the finish was just weird and messed up. I, I thought it should just one cleanly, but that's just me. And like you said, I'm tired of that building up the whole uh, Miz versus uh, uh, Daniel Bryan when we all know it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. TLC's in two weeks. Sake. So, Dean Ambrose and AJ Styles were standing backstage, and they began arguing about, you know, how the team's going to win, and so Shane McMahon told them to knock it off. Traditional Survivor Series elimination match. New Day, Cesaro and Sheamus, The Club, The Colons, and Enzo and Big Cass versus Heath Slater and Rhino, American Alpha, The Usos, Brizongo, and The Hype Bros. I just realized that even though they're the Shining Stars, and they've been the Shining Stars now for months, and they haven't been Los Matadores for years, I still wrote down in my notes, Los Matadores. It's okay. Yeah. Well, not only that, but they had enough tag teams to do qualifying matches. This is true. Well, you know, 
they had enough tag teams because they brought in the Spirit Squad and the Headbangers to, you know, lose as well. Um, you know, my favorite Survivor Series match of all time to this day is still the Team Demolition versus Team Powers of Pain match from 88 with the 10... Yeah, I see that for some reason. Was it good to me on Demolition? Yes. And, you know, it's funny because while that match, yes, it had the Hart Foundation, um, it had the Bulldogs, it had some other really good teams, it also had a bunch of crap teams that weren't that good in the ring like the Powers of Pain, like the Conquistadors. And, like, I believe that combined talent, there's more combined talent in this match than there was in that match in 88. And, but, but the difference is that match is memorable, and I still talk about it 25 years after the, after the first time I saw it. This match, um, I'll forget about it two months from now. And I will not be talking about this match in 25 years. I hope not. I hope not either. Um, they, the booking of this match, you know, I, I don't know what to say. Like, they got Breezango out of there in like 30 seconds. Um, Fandango was giving out tickets for fashion violations and uh, everybody hated him so the New Day pinned him with the Midnight Hour or the Midnight Drive whatever the hell it's called um, the double team big ending and then immediately the Usos pinned Kofi Kingston with a super kick to eliminate the New Day in less than a minute into the match Which would have been the most shocking moment of the show, you know, if the main event didn't happen. Yeah. Um, this, this was a weird one because it seemed like they were trying to rehab the club for the last few weeks because they've, like, really fallen off a cliff the last few months. And then they even eliminated both the Hype Bros and American Alpha with the Magic Killer. Um, and then they just got beat with the gore. Um, this, though, was a really good match because the thing, when you, when you have 20 people in a match, you don't need to have a rest hold. Because if you get tired, you tag out. Yeah, that makes sense. I should point out that despite saying that, and despite the other 19 people all agreeing with this sentiment, Primo put on a chin lock at one point. Epico, by the way, um, for when he was in there, Epico looked really good. You can tell he at least took it seriously, with, even if Primo didn't. Yeah. How did they get on there? I forgot. Uh, the, co- the Colons? Uh, uh, Jason Jordan pinned Primo. Um, let me find it here. Uh, they did the top rope bulldog, the Steiner's bulldog, where Gable picked, or I think Jordan okay, picked yeah, Primo. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, we got the twelve way brawl with everybody doing dives on everybody. Um and after not doing a fall for like five minutes, 
suddenly it was Titanic time and everybody had to lose. Anderson yeah. pinned Jordan, then Rhino pinned Gallows, then Enzo pinned Heath, and then one of the Usos pinned Enzo. And, you know, I want to point out it's been like six years, and with when they're wearing their shirts, no one knows which Usos which. Uh, so that brought it down to Sheamus and Cesaro versus the Usos, who went probably a good four or five minutes just on their own. And, yeah, shockingly, it wasn't that long. And, and not so shockingly, it was really good. Um, this show, the one good thing this show did is, other than the women's match, because, you know, whatever, everybody's fought each other a thousand times between NXT and the main roster. This show showed how much fun some of these matches would be if they were full, actual matches. Yeah. Like, uh, Cesaro and Sheamus at one point, um, they were fighting American Alpha. I'm like, wow, that would be a really good match. They had the five minutes with the Usos. Like, damn, that was good. And so, they're doing something right. They're like, you know what? If those teams ever fight each other, hey, I'll watch. Yeah, that'd keep me interesting, I feel. Yep. Um, Cesaro, I love him. You know, he's a great wrestler. He needs to stop doing the fucking 619. Yeah, no. For the love of Christ. You know, he's not getting any better at it, and it's just, he's just making a joke out of it at this point. Um, at one point, you know, the Usos looked like they may actually win, and, like, part of it again was Raw won the first one, and so I'm like, wow, the Usos are actually going to beat Cesaro and Sheamus, but, like, you get that feeling like it's not going to happen, but booking-wise, you know, WWE, it has to happen. Um, and then Jay locked on the Tequila Sunrise after Jimmy super kicked Cesaro's knee, and unfortunately, nobody thought it was the finish, and it wasn't, because Cesaro rolled through and slapped on the sharpshooter. Uh, Jimmy tried to break it up with a super kick, but Sheamus, who'd been knocked out earlier, came back in and took Jimmy's head off with the road kick. Jay tapped out. Team Raw wins. I should point out that um, Cesaro and Sheamus ran into each other at one point to continue their, you know, fighting the whole time. And uh, Cesaro did a very long swing, but the fans really loved Ty Dillinger. And all throughout NXT TakeOver and all throughout this show, anytime counting was involved, there was no there was no actual counting. They just kept chanting 10 the whole night. Yeah, it sense to me. Not really. Did you watch TakeOver? I did. I watched it before I watched it. Good boy. Um, what'd you think of this tag match? Pretty much you said everything. I mean, it wasn't as memorable as the past Survivor Series matches, but I guess I was I, I shocked at the clones pull out of the job. Brian's takeaway is he shocked that the colons still have a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Um, Mick and Stephanie were backstage for Stephanie's only appearance on the show. Um, and they announced that tomorrow night on Raw, the New Day will defend the belts against Cesaro and Sheamus. Well, I don't think so, because I've been saying this for months. Ever since Demolition became two of the people that were suing WWE, when like it came out like in July that 50 people were suing WWE, and Demolition was two of them, I'm like, that that meant that New Day was going to break the record. So they've, yeah. got a, they've got a few uh, uh, weeks to go. Um, the, the Tuesday before Roadblock breaks the record. So then we get the Brian Kendrick versus Kalisto in one of those weird deals where if Kalisto wins, not just the Cruiserweight title, but the entire Cruiserweight division and all of its wrestlers go to SmackDown, I'm not sure why the wrestlers themselves cared. Because it's not like they would be out of a job if, you know, that happened. Yeah, I'm not sure why Kendrick was making a big deal of it. It's not like, you know, he was, like you say, he, was, he wasn't out of a job. He just worked more on Mondays than Tuesdays. Well, Stevie J and I, uh, Stevie J of AngryMarks.com and I were having a bit of an argument before, this, before the show actually started. Because yeah. I said there was no way Kalisto was winning the title. Yeah. And he pointed out, and you know, everyone who had this idea pointed it out, that they're doing 205 Live starting next Tuesday. It's going to be on, they're taping it the same night as SmackDown. What's the point of making all the cruiserweights go to Raw after doing all the NXT house shows? They've got a shitty, you know, road trip. Because all those cruiserweights do the NXT house shows in Florida, then fly to wherever Raw is on Monday, and then now they've got to go to SmackDown on Tuesday, which is just ridiculous. And while I'm on the subject of 205 Live, you know, this all this is, is WWE oversaturating the market with wrestling. And, you know, my theory always is, and I've been telling it to anyone who will listen, that WWE doesn't care so much that they're burning people out. WWE right now is in this mode where they are giving you so much content that the average fan, by the end, by the middle of the week, the average fan does not give a crap about any other wrestling. You've got this six-hour pay-per-view. Then tomorrow night is three hours of Raw. Tuesday, if it was next week, Tuesday was two hours of SmackDown and an hour of uh, 205 Live. Wednesday you have NXT. That's 13 hours in four days. Yeah. After all that, Brian, do you want to then watch Impact, no matter how good Impact may be? You know, do you want to watch Ring of Honor? Do you want to watch Lucha Underground? Do you want to sit here and go to a bunch of random indie shows now after you've watched all this product all week long? No. It's like... <sighs> what was that? TNA's made it through a year on Pop TV. Uh, Feels like it's been a while since we've discussed TNA, but um, so 
But and the other thing is, this show's allegedly going to be live. So after the SmackDown taping ends at ten o'clock, all the fans who've just watched all the big stars of WWE are now going to have to sit around and wait and watch an hour show with all the small guys. Like, like that. Like a, they're not going to, and b, anybody who does isn't going to care, and. Plus, you have such a great added expense by doing a live show versus if you taped it before SmackDown. Um, but, and on top of it is, it's on the network, so all this added expense, you're getting zero extra dollars for it. It's not on TV anywhere, so you're not getting any sort of deal from USA, you're not getting any sort of ad revenue out of it, you're not, it's not being internationally distributed, you know, and getting money that way, they're making zero dollars off this show, and spending money to bring more people in, to fly them into the show, to tape the show allegedly live, like, there is literally no point to this show, because at the end of the day, no matter how many people they bring in, and, you know, they're bringing in a lot of people who, uh, you know, were in the CWC, and they're going to get, and they may get over to a certain extent, but at the end of the day, no one's going to get that over, and let's say they do, let's say they get really over, Vince McMahon is not going to tomorrow put them in a pay-per-view main event to try to make money off of them. Like, this, like, this, like, this 205 Live, like, I can't imagine watching it at this point, because I I don't even watch three hours of Raw, I fast forward through half of it, like, I'm sure as hell not going to watch basically three hours of SmackDown. But with that said, with all that out of the way, this match was pretty good. Talk about the match, Brian. Actually, stop. Stop. What's wrong with your phone? Well, are you on are you on speakerphone or what? Because there's just. It's a crap reception. Okay. Better? Yes. I'm holding it closer to my mouth. That would be helpful. That would be helpful. Please continue this streak of holding it closer to your mouth. I'll think about it. More things change. The more things stay the same. So talk about Kalisto and Kendrick. He kind of took him over and like, I don't know what how to call it, like a side, he's kind of like a reverse side headlock takeover off the yeah. top rope. I haven't seen something like that. Have you? What was that? I haven't seen something like that. 
Mm -mm. I, I have not. Baron Corbin, who is too injured to be in the main event match or the main event Survivor Series elimination match, was not injured enough because here he was. Yeah, which made me question why the hell is he not on the wrestling in the main event? Because Shane McMahon had to break Chris Jericho's nose. And a red. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um... But yeah, um, Kalisto went to the top rope for a big water maneuver when Baron Corbin stormed to the ring and attacked Kendrick, which uh, disqualified Kalisto, and then he laid out Kalisto with the end of days. So Corbin cost Kalisto the title and cost SmackDown the entire Cruiserweight division. Oh, Daniel Bryan backstage yelled at Baron Corbin, and Corbin called Kalisto a pest. And the last thing SmackDown needs is more little pests. And Brian vowed to deal with him on Tuesday. That's more pastor. What can he deal with him now? He's going to wrestle Kurt Hawkins. Probably. Actually, you, you know who he might wrestle? And who? I was joking with Stevie J about this because we were talking back and forth toward, about the show. And I said to him, you know, a lesser person would brag about, you know, being correct in this prediction. Because I said there was no way they were... Oh, I guess I never finished that. CBJ and I were arguing because I said there was no way Kalisto was winning this match. And he argued that they were to put the Cruiserweight division on SmackDown. And then I pointed out that a lesser person would, uh, you know, brag about uh, being wrong. Brag about being right. So, by the way, so ultimately, the thing I joked about was, isn't Big Show on SmackDown, technically? So, Baron Corbin versus The Big Show. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Might be right. So, it was now 9 o'clock, and I'm sitting here looking at the clock, and I'm like, there's two hours left in this show, and there's two matches to go. Mm-hmm. Well, then the next match took 15 minutes to get to the ring. Yeah. So, that took off 15 minutes. It was Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and Braun Strowman versus AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose, Randy Orton, Brave White, and Shane McMahon with James Ellsworth in their corner. Um, yes. Yeah. So, like I said, the match didn't start till 9.15 and didn't end until uh, 10.07. 52 minutes later, um, I think... I mean, I'd have to go back and look because there were some other really long Survivor Series matches. I think this is the longest Survivor Series elimination match ever. Um, Like, I know the uh, Authority Team Cena match went a long time. And, you know, I'd have to really look, but... um, The 2018 one went long, too. What was that? One of the early 80s 
Well, the demolition powers of pain one went 40 minutes. Yeah. Uh, WWF versus the Alliance, I think, went 40 minutes. Um, but who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Um, this match was weird. Um, it was very, it was very well booked. Um, for the most part, the the work itself was really good. Um, I want to point out that Braun Strowman was not the weak link in this match. No. Uh, Shane McMahon was, and and unfortunately everybody had to sell for him. Um, well, we'll get to that. Um, Shane McMahon tagged in the first time with Jericho and punched Chris Jericho right in the nose. Um, I don't think he actually broke it, but Jericho's nose sprouted a leak. Spotted the leak. Yes. Uh, the announcers, by the way, at the start of this match, cared so much that they were arguing about what show had better ratings, and they argued about the gobbledygooker, which I'd like to point out that uh, JBL tried to claim that Raw had a mascot being the gobbledygooker, and Brian, as I'm sure even you know, the gobbledygooker came like three years before Raw even started. Yes, I do know that. Yes. But, you know, either way, finally they stopped fighting about stuff that had nothing to do with the match and started talking about the match. Shane McMahon was the most polarizing person by far. Um, actually, he wasn't the most polarizing person because everyone still hated Roman. However, everyone that I'm sitting here reading uh, feedback on, none of us could believe that Shane McMahon was basically Superman in this match um, in that he kept kicking out of everything. Um, we got the giant face-off and brawl with all ten people that nobody cared about at first, which they brawled around ringside in excess of five minutes, and nobody got counted out yet. Which entertained me. Yeah. Um, Strowman, in the, in the highlight, in my opinion, of all the uh, brawl, Dean Ambrose goes for a dive on Braun Strowman. Strowman catches him, and proceeds to walk around the ring with him. It's like, Strowman is like, well, I have to walk over here because AJ is supposed to hit me with the phenomenal forearm. However, I'm standing over here. How do I get over there? I know, I will carry Dean Ambrose in my arms over there. Because for some reason, AJ couldn't just do the move right where he was. Um, by the way, I want to point out, Team SmackDown eliminated seven people in this match, and you might be wondering how the hell they eliminated seven. It's because AJ and Ambrose eliminated each other. Yes, this is true. Uh, after AJ and Ambrose saved their boss from a beating, um, they knocked Strowman out of the ring. The fans chanted for AJ, which AJ pointed out, so they began fighting, and Strowman then picked, pinned Ambrose with a running power slam, and Styles just stood there and watched. Makes sense to me. So the match continued as... But not the match. The giant outside-the-ring brawl that's been going on now for five minutes continued. Um, 
Uh, Braun goes to rip apart the announce table. So Randy Orton runs over and gives him an RKO on the table, which did not break, by the way. Which yeah, I, I I bet that sucked. Um, Bray and Orton laid Braun out on the English announce table, and Shane did his uh, giant elbow leap from the top rope outside through the announce table. Finally, after five minutes, five or six minutes of brawling outside the ring, Braun Strowman was counted out. The referee forgot how to count to ten for a while there. Um, And the key to this... The key to this was they literally picked up Shane and dragged him into the ring, and then Braun was about to get in, but James Ellsworth, who was hiding underneath the ring, held on to Braun's leg, causing him to be counted out. Yeah, I wonder where he disappeared to. Yeah. Um, Ellsworth tried running, but Braun caught him on the stage and then hurled him off the stage through a table. At this point, the giant brawl broke down into a tag team match, Playa. Playa. Yes. Yeah, uh, did I have the Undertaker in it? Yes. Shane continued to be Superman as he kicked out of the Code Breaker. Um, AJ, uh, by the way, used Ty Dillinger's tiebreaker, which nobody picked up on. Um, let's see here. The next fall happened. Styles hit Kevin Owens, who was standing on the apron. So Kevin Owens hit AJ with the list of Jericho, which disqualified Kevin Owens. In case the fans weren't angry enough, after Owens gave AJ the pop-up powerbomb, Jericho... Jesus Christ, Brian. Oh, sweet Jesus. I'll be right back. So I got Brian back. Um... Turns out when Brian holds the phone close to his mouth, he keeps hanging up on me. Well, no, I find that there's a nasty storm going on outside. They can hear the wind and everything, so. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what was the last thing you heard me say? Uh, Al Gore's getting thrown off the stage by Braun. Okay, so Owens hit AJ with the list, which disqualified Owens. If the crowd wasn't angry enough, Jericho began, uh, picking up his list because he's very sad that, you know, his list is now sprawled all over the ring and Randy Orton pinned him with an RKO. I'd be very sad if I Jericho. The two most popular people on the, uh, in the match got uh, eliminated right then and there and the Canadians uh, get shut out on this show. Poor Canadians. I feel bad for them. Yes. Okay. What the hell is that all about, eh? So it's down to four on two. Rollins and Reigns versus uh, Bray, Orton, AJ, and uh, Shane O'Mac. Um, then Shane McMahon decided to be Superman again. Did you see the point? And I don't think people caught this. After, by the way, he punched Roman in the face, which... Oh, oh he punched both... Roman and Rollins right in the face, which I'm sure they were loving. And I can't, I, I can't wait. If they do do Brock versus Shane at WrestleMania, which I don't think they're going to do at this point, I really hope Brock beats the fuck out of him. It won't probably happen. Like, do you remember when, you know, Braun Strowman was being pushed as the big monster 
and they might have ever think about doing him versus Undertaker at WrestleMania. And then the Royal Rumble match happened, and Brock Lesnar just went out and beat the fuck out of him. Yeah, well, Brock. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Um, so that's what I was thinking. So Shane McMahon, by the way, after beating the crap out of everybody, after kicking out of everybody's move, uh, Roman goes to spear him, and Shane blocks it and throws him shoulder first into the ring post. Shane then went for a coast-to-coast drop kick, and I'm not, I'm never going to wish injury on anybody, and I hope he's okay, but when Shane went to do the coast-to-coast drop kick to Roman, Roman got up and speared him to death, and I don't know if Shane popped his shoulder out. I don't know if, you know, I, he smashed the back of his head off the ground, so he may be concussed. Um, who knows? But technically, when Roman went for the cover, Shane was so out of it, he turned to the side. So, yes. Shane McMahon technically kicked out of this spear, of this giant-ass spear. Yeah. But he was eliminated due to injury. Um, they just pulled him out of the match right there. Um, Shane said, because, dear God, that spear would have hurt probably a lot of more people than Titan Shane O'Mac. So it came down, now it's two on two, uh... Actually, is it two on two? No, it's still three on two, never mind. But we got AJ and Rollins, and I don't want to shock anybody here, but AJ and Rollins was a really good match. Yeah. Uh, Rollins and Reigns began working together, and they set up for the power bomb, but were too busy arguing over which table to use, because that was the most important part. Um, AJ broke... What was that? I said it would have been for me, too. Yeah. Dean Ambrose, at this point, ran in and attacked AJ Styles. Uh, the fans chanted stupid idiot at him as he's attacking his teammate. Um, finally, a dozen security guards all got Ambrose out. And it would have worked, too, if it wasn't for Rollins and Reigns deciding to beat up all the security instead. And the fans, who were just calling Dean Ambrose a stupid idiot, uh, lost their shit because um, the Shield was back together for one move only. And uh, they gave him the triple powerbomb. They gave AJ the triple powerbomb through the table. Rolled him into the ring. And Rollins pinned him. Which, by the way, shouldn't that have been some sort of a DQ since somebody not in the match attacked him? It should have been, yes. But it's, yeah. Um, so at this point, Luke Harper appeared. I think he was, I think he was under the ring. But either way... Christ, I wonder what him and Ellsworth were doing under there. Uh, I have a couple beers. It was Hornswoggle under there as well, you think? Possibly, possibly. He was waiting for the Cruiserweight title open. Yeah. Hey, he he's still the technical champion. That's true. You know, let Kendrick beat him instead. So anyway, Harper was there to run interference for a little bit. Um, Rollins came off the top rope with a frog splash, or attempted to come off the top of the frog splash to Bray, but Orton hit an RKO on Rollins as he was coming down. And an awesome-looking move, but I'll tell you what, the curb stomp into an RKO was still better. Yeah, 
Um, so Bray pinned Rollins after that. And it came down to two-on-one. And if it was anybody other than Roman, the crowd would have gotten behind him. But it was Roman Reigns. And uh, we had a clean finish here. Um, he, he blocked Sister Abigail. He gave Bray a Superman punch. He set up for the spear, but Orton shoved Bray out of the way and took the spear himself. And then Bray uh, turned Roman around, gave him Sister Abigail, and yes, Bray Wyatt has pinned Roman Reigns, and Team SmackDown wins this match. Finally get on the board, but it's a little too late. Yes. Um, now, Randy Orton, by the way, um, now, Michael Cole was screwing up stats all night. But you can trust me to have correct stats. Yeah. Randy Orton has broken the all-time record now for the most number of times the survive a Survivor Series elimination match. He's now done it five times. Nice. And do you know who he was tied with? Tom Michaels, was he? No. No. You, you've been watching these Survivor Series, Brian. You should be able to make a... Uh, you know, an educated guest. No, it's Hogan. And somebody else. Warrior. Yep. All three had four going into tonight. Well, I think it's safe to say that Randy can have that uh, record for a little bit. Alrighty. Oh, let me find that thing again here. Uh, the, uh, the list of, uh, the people who've survived Survivor Series, because I don't think anybody active is even close. Because I was shocked that... It, I was shocked that it was the first time Cesaro had survived an elimination match. Really? Yeah. Um, let's see here. Orton's got five. Big Show, uh, John Cena, Jeff Hardy, and Rey Mysterio all have three. Mm. Uh, I'm looking at other active people. Uh, Dolph Ziggler's got two. Natalia's got two. Um, Sheamus has two. And anybody else active has one. So, that's that. Then it was time for the main event. Time to take a deep seat. Yeah. I got all nice and comfy on my couch thinking... It took 13 years, but WWE finally figured out how to book Goldberg. Yes. He was in WWE for a full year, and I am pretty sure he did not have a match quicker than this. Because even when he was supposed to go in and squash people, they were making him take four or five minutes when they did that back in the day. Yeah. So Goldberg got the big WCW entrance with his WCW theme music with a whole bunch of security guards. The only thing missing was former WCW security head Doug Dillinger coming in to lead the group of people. Brock got, well, I don't think he got offense, but the closest thing he got to offense 
was he bullied Goldberg into the corner. Goldberg then exploded out of the corner with a spear. Yeah, he And then Goldberg crouched in the corner and speared him again. And Brian, hold that phone close to your mouth. And then... Speared him again and again and again. No, not again and again and again. Just again and again. Yeah, okay. Um, and then, as I'm like, wow. Paul Heyman, by the way, is begging Goldberg to stop. And I'm like, well, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting start. Um, and then Goldberg picked up Brock and jackhammered him. And then pinned him. We were all thinking that he was going to kick out, but no. One minute, 25 seconds. Um, everybody who paid hundreds of dollars in the arena. Now, it's, it's one thing for us people here who uh, watch on the Rui Network for nine ninety nine. You know, I don't feel ripped off, you know, because I get all everything else with the network. But... Yeah, but if I'm one of those people who went out and bought these tickets the first day they went on sale and spent hundreds of dollars on these tickets, I'd probably be a little pissed off. Me too. Even though, again, this match was a whole lot better than the first match. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, two five seconds. Yeah. We figured out how to book Goldberg and Lesnar. Like two five second match, guys. It's, I don't know, like, it's funny because I remember, like, when Goldberg kept saying that he'd come back to do one more match just because his, his son never watched him wrestle, and so, like, the story was they were going to have him go out and squash Ryback or something. It's like, you bring him in, he squashes a mid-carder, you know, it's a nice little thing that they do, but instead, the man that ended the streak... The man that squashed John Cena in the main event of SummerSlam. Yes. Um, the man who gave Dean Ambrose no offense. Well, not a little more than no offense at WrestleMania. He got defeated in 85 seconds. Yep. That's ending his own undefeated streak that he's had since. SummerSlam of last year. So that was Survivor Series. I give it a thumbs up. I go thumbs up as well. But, uh, by the way, now that we're done talking about Survivor Series, since we haven't been on the air in four months, I never get the chance to rant about this four months ago. Or uh, two months ago, actually. It was back at SummerSlam. The finish to the Brock Lesnar-Randy Orton match at SummerSlam. That pisses me off. It pisses me off more now than it did then. Yeah. Because in case you forget, it's it was the finish where, uh, or they or Lesnar gave Orton, you know, several hard, brutal punches and elbows to the face, and Orton bled hard way, like a faucet in the middle of this concussion lawsuit. Yeah. Vince McMahon is so anti-blood 
that he's ranted about how, you know, that it's obscene to ask somebody to cut their head with a razor to get blood in the course of a match. And, you know, it's fine. If you want to believe that, that's fine. If you want to agree with that, that's fine. But then he asked one of his performers in the middle of this lawsuit where you have all these people saying that Vince McMahon doesn't care about your health and well-being, he asked one of his main event performers to go out there and allow another man, a man who, by the way, had just gotten popped for a steroid violation in UFC competition, Yeah. which, by the way, that still hasn't ended, and that could have huge repercussions when they finally do do that trial, and it could hurt Brock actually wrestling, because if if and when Brock gets suspended, the every state that has an athletic commission can stop him from wrestling their entire suspension. Um, yeah. I'd have to look the exacts up, but, uh, yeah. Now, with that said, Brock Lesnar, this guy who, whatever you want to say he's on, there's urine tests saying that he's on it, um, he went out there and punched Randy Orton with the boss's permission. He punched and elbowed him full force in the face, causing you know, Orton to bleed like a stuck pig. And I, I'm i sorry, that just whole thing pissed me off. It did, it did me too. Like, it was very, it wasn't the way that Orton should have lost. It, it wasn't safe. Orton was not protected. Orton was under orders to allow this to happen and not do anything in return. That's what... You know, it's not like Brock went out there and shot on him on his own and, you know, just did whatever the hell he wanted. This was what he was told to do by the owner of the company. And Orton had to sit there and allow it to happen or face the consequences. Like, I don't even know. So that, uh, I guess that'll bring us to the end here, Brian. What? That'll bring us to the end. Yes. On this one-time-only monumental evening. Yes. It was everything I remember about doing a podcast with you and so much more. (laughs) Well, I would say the same thing about you, but, yeah. Oh, I should point out that um, after SmackDown won the five-on-five men's elimination match, the JBL screamed, Raw wins, Raw wins, Raw wins. Yeah, he did. That's right. Yeah. Good job, JBL. You did the good work. That's why you're probably on SmackDown. So with that out of the way, um, in case this is our last show ever, and, you know, chances are we'll do this again at some point, but in oh. case in case this is it, Brian, we had a hell of a run. We did. We had a lot of memorable moments, memorable segments. A lot uh, of crazy shit happened. I interviewed yeah. the I interviewed the TNA World Heavyweight Champion at one point. Yeah. The champion of Orlando, Florida. Yes. Well, one side of Orlando because now Samoa Joe's the champion of the other side of Orlando. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and. We just had a hell of a run. 
Hmm? You did. I thank you for all the memories. And I want to thank you for not making me smash my head into a wall today. You're welcome. Anytime. So thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you again later on. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.